Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Chetan Aya, Chief Economist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley. And welcome back to part two of this special edition of Thoughts on the Market, where we'll be talking about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the global economy and the effect on markets longer term. It's Friday, May 8th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So, Andrew, how should an investor evaluate this issue of high levels of debt around the world, especially in the DM world? So it's a really interesting debate because, as you mentioned, we're looking at debt and deficit levels that, that really have very few comparisons in history, even going back a very long period of time. I think the irony, though, is that I think, based on the investors that I speak to, most investors would probably prefer and think it would be a better thing for the economy and the markets for governments to do more to support the economy even if that means more borrowing, then do less. And, and I think you need to look no further than investors' views towards, towards Europe, where um, I think generally you've seen stock markets there lag. I think you've seen investors generally and probably correctly be more cautious on European assets. And one of the reasons for that is that Europe has been more reluctant to borrow more to support its economy. So, you know, I think it's something that's getting a lot of focus. Um, but I think, you know, looking below the surface in terms of where investors' preferences really lie, I, I think actually at the moment, investors would probably prefer, um, you know, more borrowing, more stimulus, more economic support than less. Yeah, Andrew, as an economist, I would uh, also think that that response is the correct response from investors, because if you don't have spending, then you are anyways not going to have the right pricing power and aggregate demand in the economy, which is again bad for investors. And, and the only real thing that really should stop more borrowing and spending is inflation, and we don't have that right now. There's no revolt against that borrowing. There's no demand to, to be paid more because of that borrowing. If anything, uh, investors seem very eager to, to lend to the U.S. government, to the European governments, to the British government, to the Japanese government, even though they're running these large deficits. So I, I think actually that's an area where kind of the message from market pricing is is very germane, um, is very relevant, and in some cases can matter more than almost kind of the theoretical uh, speculation about what investors will worry about. So Andrew, what you're saying is really the investors will be concerned about more borrowing only when we see inflation, right? I think that's very fair. And I think, you know, at the moment, both in what we're seeing in the, the actual hard data and also in market expectations is that those concerns around inflation are still a long ways away. Given these challenges that we are seeing, how should investors be looking at different regions around the world with different levels of issues of debt and deficit? I think in your comments, you hit on a really important point, which is about flexibility and, and almost kind of self-determination. I think countries that have more flexibility to act, um, I think investors are potentially going to favor those over areas that might have kind of lower levels of, of debt or, or deficits. It's that ability to act that I think is, is particularly attractive right now. And so I think that's one reason actually that we, we prefer say stocks in the United States, even though the deficit uh, and debt levels there are quite high. I think it's quite clear that the Fed 
is uh, able and willing to be very aggressive in, in addressing this crisis, more aggressive than other central banks. That's also a reason why we like corporate credit uh, in the U.S. quite a bit, even though you have these high debt levels on both the government and the and the corporate side. So I, I think that ability to act is quite important. And um, I think that this is something that we'll also have to keep revisiting, that at, at the moment, um, the U.S. has had a, a pretty aggressive policy response, probably you know as or more aggressive than any other major economy. Um, but obviously, this is an ongoing issue, um, and that policy response could change. And so I think investors need to consistently kind of update their view based on you know, what we hear coming out from these countries and, and be open to the idea that country policy could change as, as conditions change. And Andrew, when you're thinking about the dollar and the FX market, um, what would be the long-term implications of the current developments on the dollar outlook? Ultimately, we we do think that the dollar you know weakens. That's how uh, we're seeing it on the Morgan Stanley research side. That's that's a view of my colleague, um, you know Matthew Hornback and our our FX strategy team. So you know I think that makes some sense based on the broader uh, a broader look at history. You know often it's when economic data is at its most extreme lows that you start to see some reversal of the dollar that you know historically the dollar does quite well um, when a recession starts because it's seen as a, a stable global reserve currency that people want to own when things are uncertain but then after the recession starts after the fed has cut interest rates substantially after kind of the worst of economic data is behind you, the, the dollar then starts to give up those gains and starts to weaken. And uh, we saw that pattern in 2010. We saw that pattern in, in, in 2002. And, and I think we could see that pattern again, especially because, um, you know, I think this is a crisis that will affect the U.S. economy just as severely as many other economies. Uh, and in some ways, some of the, uh, the case numbers uh, in the U.S. are tracking worse than, than other developed economies, which suggests you know more economic risks all else equal. So I, I think for all those reasons, you know, we would expect the dollar to moderate over the next six to twelve months. And Andrew, how do you think about credit markets versus equity markets, and especially in the U.S., we were talking about debt levels being high even before COVID nineteen shock, and now there's going to be an additional increase in corporate debt balances. So how should one think about investing in these markets? So I think this is a great example that corporate debt and, and leverage levels, and I think this applies to governments as well, they're important to look at, you know, the levels of debt relative to, to income, um, but they're not everything. And, and I think that what also matters is where the economic cycle is, where the policy response is, and where valuations are. And so I think corporate America was pretty indebted coming into this crisis. Um, and that's certainly unhelpful, but it's receiving probably an outsized level of policy support from the government, from the federal government. So that is, I think, a helpful force. The fact that the Federal Reserve is, is likely going to be buying corporate debt directly uh, is, is a support to these markets. And then I think another pattern that we tend to see is that as you enter a recession first, investors generally buy government debt, even though government deficits are going up, um, they buy government debt because it's seen as, as, as very safe and you want to buy safe assets when, when the economy is weakening. And so I think that helps explain this kind of ironic situation where you know, the U.S. is borrowing 20% of its GDP and, and yet its, its cost of that borrowing has almost never been lower. But then the next phase after people buy a lot of government debt is they say, well, I, I want to buy something that's a little bit more risky, but not too risky because it's still very uncertain. And that's often benefits corporate debt. 
Um, and I think that's then especially reinforced by the fact that when conditions are more uncertain, companies tend to be a lot more conservative. And I think we see this in the business cycle models that we run, that this phase of economic data tends to be quite positive for corporate debt, whereas it tends to be a lot more mixed for, for stock markets, where sometimes you need more time to pass, more, more clarity that growth is really improving to hit those optimal periods for stock market returns. So Andrew, I get a question a lot from investors where they're saying the economic data points are showing a big decline, and yet asset markets are doing very well. In fact, the equity markets have gone up significantly. So how do you square the circle for investors in terms of weak data points, but the market's doing extremely well? Yeah, look, that's a very reasonable question. I mean, I think probably April of 2020 will go down in history as one of the worst ever months uh, for the global economy and one of the best ever months uh, for global stock markets, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Um, now, what's essential there is that those lows of April hold. And so I think this is where the, the debate really should focus. It shouldn't be about you know, this whole kind of debate over the letter of the recovery. Does it look like a U? Does it look like the letter V? But I, I think the more important thing for the markets is that do you have confidence that the worst is behind you? And so I think this is where it's just essential that you avoid um, uh, the so-called kind of W-shaped recovery. It's essential that you avoid a situation where the economy needs to shut down again. And the market would be most forgiving of the very slow, gradual recovery because, you know, that's fine. The market can look ahead and it, it knows at least things aren't going to get worse. Chitin, thank you for taking the time to chat. Great speaking with you, Andrew. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.